Today is May 12th, 2021, and our first story, the gas shortages are getting worse. But we're also hearing that for some reason, Democrats in Michigan are ordering a gas pipeline to be shut down, which seems to be very awful timing. Our next story actually expands upon this as news has been developing all day. In some states, the gas shortage has exceeded or is nearing 50% of gas stations. And there's a worry that it will also lead to rising prices across the board. Interestingly, however, we heard only a few weeks ago that there would be gas shortages and food shortages, and many small businesses are dealing with food shortages already. And our last story, Steven Crowder, famous YouTuber and podcaster, has been hit with two strikes on YouTube. He is one strike away from being permanently banned. This does not bode well for any of us. Before we get started, leave us a good review if you like the show, give us five stars, and if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. The gasoline shortages are getting worse by the minute. Welcome, my friends, to Joe Biden's America. It's only been about three and a half months, but we've got escalating crisis in the Middle East. We've got skyrocketing consumer prices. We've got a mass exodus from the workforce, eight million job openings. Nobody wants to take the jobs. And now we got a cyber attack on a pipeline and gasoline shortages. Woo! Biden, you're getting a lot done in the first four months, and it doesn't end there. I got the story from uh, WXII 12, North Carolina, about 25% of gas stations are without fuel. But here's what I love about the Democrats. I'm sorry, I just got to say, the Democrats are clearly trying to burn the country down. You might think it's it's an exaggeration, but come on. Tuesday, May 11th at 6 Eastern Daylight Time, The Guardian reported Michigan orders closure of pipeline in escalating dispute with Canada because the last thing we need right now is oil and gas. (laughs) I can't believe I saw this story. I was like, what's the stupidest thing the Democrats could do in the middle of a of a oil and gas crisis, an energy crisis? It's like probably shut down more pipelines here we go. I'm not kidding. The governor says the line is a ticking time bomb. The company says line five has never experienced a leak. The Whitmer in Michigan is like, nah, we don't want none of that gasoline right now. So are we going to start seeing gas shortages in, in, the, in the Midwest? I, I, I got no idea. I don't know if that line's actually completed or what the plan is, but I will say the craziest thing. Early, uh, we, we talked about this last night. I was doing general research, pulling up sources to talk about the gas shortage and, you know, what's been going on. And there are a bunch of stories going back a week before the cyber attack saying gas shortages are coming. And for a few reasons, one was that they said truckers won't be driving. So if there's no truckers delivering the fuel and you ain't got the fuel and then it's a systemic collapse, I suppose. But a lot of truckers were were commenting on Timcast IRL last night saying there's no shortage of truckers. It's federal regulations. Now, here's where things get really interesting. I'm not asserting anything. I'm just pointing out something interesting. All right. You, you take it for what it is. All of these stories pop up. CNN, The Guardian, Fox News. A, sh- a trucker shortage means we won't have gas and gas prices will skyrocket. OK, if that's true, you know, truckers are saying it's not true in my super chat. If it's true that there's no truckers, right, then how do you get more gas and oil into areas if you don't have more drivers? Here's another solution. Have the existing drivers deliver more fuel. The problem, there's federal regulations on how many hours they're allowed to drive. You could lift those regulations with an emergency declaration, but that emergency declaration would say something like, 
we are going to be slammed by a gasoline shortage due to the inability to transport it. So we are going to be, you know, you know, temporarily suspending these regulations. Well, I guess rather coincidentally, uh, it didn't matter because a cyber attack hit an oil pipe, uh, this company, Colonial, and now they had no choice but to lift these regulations, allowing drivers, uh, truck drivers to drive more hours, which is just strange because how, how is the gas pipeline shutdown changing the, the amount of truck drivers there are to deliver gas to these stations? I don't know. But it, it is true. It is fair uh, to say. Import, well, I shouldn't say fair to say, but it is true. The gas pipeline is transporting that, that oil, gas, and fuels across the southeastern U.S. So, all right. So I guess that makes a lot of sense. Now, here's what I, I want to ask, right? Because a lot of people are saying that it's all panic buying. The reason there's a gas shortage in these places, it's all panic buying, 25%. So uh, you're saying that people in North Carolina are more prone to panic buy than in neighboring states? It does seem kind of weird to me. It's entirely possible, but let's read the story. However, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Before we get started, my friends, head over to safeandreadymeals.com. The link is in the description below. I uh, do these promos uh, promos for these emergency food supplies when I probably shouldn't do it during, you know, when, when the crisis actually hits. But I suppose I, like many other people, it's out of sight, out of mind. When, when everything's fine, we don't really think about this stuff. This is safe and ready meals are four week emergency food supplies, and you can even get three month emergency food supplies. I have a bunch of these because you need to be prepared for a disaster, inclement weather, tornadoes, flooding, whatever. Or maybe there's no gas, trucks can't deliver food or supplies or whatever. I put it this way. You got a first aid kit, right? Do you know where it is? A lot of people do. A lot of people actually don't, but you still have one. You probably never use it. This is the stuff, this, this safe and ready meals you can put in a closet. You can leave it there for like, if it's stored properly, they say up to 25 year shelf life. So I, again, have a bunch of these, uh, not enough for everybody for like an apocalypse or anything, but it's not about that. We had high winds, trees fell down and we had to get them cleared. And so we're sitting here like, what do we do? Well, we got a bunch of food. It'll last us quite a bit if we were ever really stuck here for some reason. So I, I definitely think it's something you should, you, should, you should consider. When you go to safeandreadymeals.com, you buy the stuff. It does support my work. This is a sponsored uh, uh, post. And uh, I, I do them only when I think it really matters. I, look, there's a lot of people who criticize me for this. That's fine. You're absolutely entitled to. If you don't want to buy the stuff, just don't do it, okay? But uh, uh, I, I, I mean it when I say I have this. And we uh, I, I've... It's really good. I just I liken it to like those those bagged meals you get at the grocery store where it's like it comes with the flavor powder. You put it in the pot, you stir it, and boom, you got noodles and mac and cheese or whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what to do, how to live your life. If you think what I'm saying makes sense, you think it's a good idea, it does support my work, so I appreciate it if you check it out. But I'm I'm genuinely uh, I'm sincere when I say I think you guys should consider having some of these things. Check the story out from NBC12. They say. Nearly a quarter of all gas stations in North Carolina are without gasoline Wednesday morning as drivers continue to line up at the pump to refill. That's according to GasBuddy as of 7 a.m. Wednesday, a website and mobile app that helps people find the cheapest gas near them. North Carolina has the highest percentage of gasoline outages on the East Coast. Georgia and South Carolina follow at 15 and 13 percent. According to GasBuddy at 8 a.m. Wednesday, 71 percent of gas stations in the Charlotte area are out of fuel. Whoa! Wow, man. 71% in Charlotte. Tuesday night, nearly 60% of all Raleigh area gas stations were out of fuel. A full list of which gas stations are reporting shortages can be found by visiting GasBuddy. Here's, here's what I find interesting. Georgia, 15%. Alabama, 1.8. Tennessee, 28 
South Carolina, 13.4. North Carolina, 24.8. Florida, 4.2. Virginia, 15%. Is there something about North Carolina that people panic more? It could be. No, and I mean this. It could be that somebody runs out the door, jumps in their car and peels the gas. People are like, whoa, what's going on? There's a gas shortage. So everybody sees everyone else panic and then everyone else panics and it's not happening in other areas. Or it could be that this particular state has a different delivery schedule and are being impacted by the the, the pipeline shortage, uh, the pipeline outage. It was interesting. I remember reading a story and they said, because the cyber attack happened, I think on Friday, and they were like, if this remains shut down for a few days, we'll start seeing shortages. Then we get the government saying there's no shortages. The New York Times says there's no, there's no lines. Well, clearly that's not true. That's a crazy lie. There are lines. But what are they saying? There's no shortage. Well, the government's probably saying we have all the gas. I mean, you know, in, in reserve, not at your gas station. So when someone says, is there a gasoline shortage? They're not asking whether or not the U.S. government has a stockpile of gas. They're asking whether or, or someone does. They're asking whether or not my local gas station has gas. The answer is there is a massive shortage of gas in the south on the southeast coast. So why South Carolina, North Carolina and Virginia? Why is North Carolina hit the hardest, followed by South Carolina and Virginia? Honestly, I don't know. It's, it's hard to speculate. But a lot of people, for some reason, it's the tribal left being like, oh, shut up. Everything's fine. You know, forgive me if I don't trust you when you say these things. It's panic buying. Nothing's happening. Only in North Carolina, I guess, people in uh, Maryland aren't panicking. How does that make sense? So wh- where I live in, uh, we, have, we, have, we have Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia all around each other, right? It's like, really, like five minutes you can be, t- be between each state. About 10 or 15 minutes away from me, there's massive lines for, uh, for gas. So the, the guest we had last night was saying that they're on their way up. They drove to the sun. They saw lines like crazy. Like, I think, I think he was mentioning like 10 gas stations. That's Virginia. It's very close to me. Okay. I was easily able to get gas around me with no issue. Uh, maybe it's because I'm in, a, I'm in a more rural area and about 15, 20 minutes away. Everybody rushed out to get gas. Or maybe it's, and, and, and that's probably the case. I mean, if people are lining up for gas and they don't need it, then, you know, maybe that's the case. But it could just be that there's a different delivery schedule or, or these states. I mean, it's entirely possible. Again, I could be wrong about this, that some states are like, we'll do more frequent shipments at a lower amount than one big shipment at a larger amount, and that could result in a faster shortage. So it's, it's entirely possible when you see that in certain areas, gas is fine and no one's worried about it. And then just across the state line, everything's different. That might be a policy issue. So, so look, I, I don't know, maybe it is people just panicking and lining up. But I just think it's strange that I can cross the state border and all of a sudden there's like people freaking out about gas and then I can cross back over to Maryland and it's like everything's fine. 3.5% of gas stations in Maryland, 15% in Virginia. Now you might, you know, people might easily point out, oh, they're talking about, you know, Arlington closer to DC and Maryland. What about Baltimore? I guess I don't know. What I can say is you drive 10 or 15 minutes across the state line of Virginia, there are lines and people are struggling to get gas and there's, and there's closures, 15%. You come back to Maryland, it's not the same thing. I'm wondering if this has to do with delivery schedules. It's entirely possible that the western part of Maryland gets some of their gas from a different pipeline. West Virginia seems to be unaffected and they're not included in the state of emergency. I don't know. I can tell you the Democrats don't seem to want to make things better. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here sipping my coffee, just laughing. Just 
And it's it's not the kind of laughing where I'm like having a good time and it's funny. It's just kind of like, you know, it's it's more like a joker. Like, here we go. This is what you get. The Guardian. The state of Michigan has told a Canadian energy company it must shut down a controversial oil and gas pipeline by Wednesday. What? What? This is not a joke. This is amazing. Oh, wow. I, I, I better buy like a bike charger so I can pedal a bike to power my electric car or something because uh, they say amid growing fears that a spill would be catastrophic to the region. The company's refusal to comply with the order and swift support from top Canadian officials highlights the politicized nature of pipelines, which campaigners have used as a target in the fight against climate change. You see, they wanted these things shut down a long time ago. It has nothing to do with a spill or whatever. Some people say that, you know, the eco-terrorists will sabotage these pipelines. Probably. Why are they trying to shut down all these oil pipelines? And why did they do it in the middle of a gas shortage? I'll put it this way. If you live in Michigan, I don't I don't know if they're if they're actually uh, actually. Yeah, so it is operating. Look, they say for nearly 67 years, Enbridge has moved oil and natural gas from Western Canada, Canada through Michigan and the Great Lakes to refineries in the province of Ontario. But Michigan says that one section of the pipeline is too risky to continue operating. In November, the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer, announced a plan to revoke the easement granted to Enbridge, which permits line five to cross under the Straits of Mackinac. Whitmer said 12 May, set 12 May as the deadline for the Canadian energy giant to shut down the pipeline. So I don't think this is delivering fuel into the U.S. It sounds like it's delivering it to refineries. But obviously we get fuel from, you know, we, we, we import, we export. And there are probably a lot of people who live in this area who rely on fuel from both Canada and the U.S. So I don't know if this is going to result here, let, let, let me read a little bit more. These oil pipelines in the Straits of Mackinac are a ticking time bomb, and their continued presence violates the public trust and poses a grave threat to Michigan's environment and economy. The company says it never experienced a leak in the underwater section of Line 5, and is currently working to tunnel beneath the lake bed to further improve the safety of the pipeline. But in the last two years, the pipeline has been struck by boat anchors and cables. And in 2010, a separate Enbridge pipeline spilled 3.2 million liters of oil into Michigan's Kalamazoo River. Whitmer, who campaigned on shutting down the pipeline, has received support from Democratic attorneys general, as well as environmental campaigners and indigenous communities on both sides of the border. Should anything that's being transported in these 67-year-old pipelines get into the Great Lakes, it could have devastating effects and irreparable consequences, said the Anishinaabek Nation Grand Chief Counsel Glenn Hare, who represents 39 First Nations across Ontario. In February, a federal court ordered Michigan and Enbridge to enter mediation. Recently, Michigan has argued that the case should be heard by a state court, which could give it a more favorable judgment. So it doesn't seem like as critical as the colonial pipeline. It just seems kind of like a stupid story. <laughs> I get it, man. You know, there's a fear of environmental disasters. I don't want to tell you. There's the story. Does it make sense right now? Maybe they should put this on pause and not freak people out by saying we're going to shut down an oil pipeline. I don't know, but I'll tell you this, my friends. I hope you are prepared. If I was, uh, uh, look, look into that. I, I don't look, nobody should be panic buying. I guess the issue is maybe in Virginia, people don't fill up their gas tanks. And so they all decided to do it at the same time. And people in Maryland do whatever I got in my truck. I went down and there was nobody at the gas station. And I was like, I'm just filling up like normal. The biggest problem I had was the pump kept clicking and it wouldn't pump. And I had to call the guy and he was like, I don't know, it's kind of broken or whatever. And then I was able to fill up and, and, and not have to worry about it. But I'll tell you what you might have to worry about. 
No, you are not imagining it, reports NPR. Prices for a lot of things did jump in April. You know, I saw this meme. Uh, it was uh, from the from Patriots.Win. It's the, the you know the, the Donald Trump supporting website, and it was someone saying, "I'll like I'll, I'll I believe I'll wait until the price of ammunition goes down to purchase." And then there's two guys, and it says inflation and demand, and they start beating the crap out of the guy waiting. Uh, yeah, goods are going up, the cost is going up. That means the value of your dollar is dropping dramatically. Now they say. Consumer prices surged 4.2% in April from the depressed levels of a year earlier when the global economy was hit hard. That was the largest 12-month increase since a 4.9 increase in September of 2008. Hmm, what happened around September of 2008? What could come next? Max Kaiser uh, and Stacey Herbert, their financial uh, uh, commentators and personalities, talk a lot about Bitcoin and Max said that he, he believed inflation was around 10 to 15 percent and that the government's not going to tell us this because it would force them to increase social security payments, which would cause a ripple effect. Gen Z is not going to give up 80 percent of their paychecks to pay for the boomer social security. So they just keep saying inflation is low, even though it's not true. And we know it's much higher. Now you can see the price of goods starting to skyrocket. U.S. inflation is here. They say the accelerating inflation comes as companies have been forced to pay more to secure critical materials like lumber and steel amid continued disruption to the global supply chain. And the government also pumped trillions of dollars into the economy in a bid to blunt the impact from coronavirus, contributing to inflation. You think? U.S. consumer prices surge in April by the most since 2009. Are y'all paying attention? Because, you know, uh, I had someone comment. They were like, Tim just keeps selling fear to his to his audience. And it's like, uh, I, I guess if you see it that way, I mean, you don't have to watch. Uh, I'm just talking about the things I'm seeing. I'm talking about the things that I think are important. And I think it's breaking news when there's gas shortages. It may be panic buying, but the pipeline is still shut down. Many people are pointing out, can't pipelines be manually operated? Can't they just go and manually open valves and keep things running? I don't know. I think it would be strange if they couldn't. Oh, no, the computer shut down. Now we can't access anything. Ah, I guess it's kind of like, you know, possible with Bitcoin if your computer, if your phone breaks or whatever, and you're like, where are my keys? What do I do? So always know what your Bitcoin keys are. But I digress. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very real Something very real is happening. You know, the bill comes due. We, we spent all this money. We borrowed all this money. And, and here we go. And it really does feel like this is Democrat leadership. You know, ben, there's a, obviously many of you have seen the, the conflict with Israel and Gaza has been lighting up. And there, there were brutal protests in, in the streets in, uh, uh, in Manhattan. And I mean, pe- 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 uh, people are on edge. Ben Shapiro pointed out that Joe Biden changed a bunch of policies that immediately started providing funding to certain groups and putting pressure on Israel. And then all of a sudden we start seeing this explosion of, of rocket fire from from Palestine, from Gaza into Israel, from Hamas. And it's it's Democrat leadership. They want to shut down an oil pipeline amid an, a massive oil pipeline shutdown and a gas shortage. They want to print more money. Joe Biden wants three hundred dollar uh, unemployment benefits. So th- so as we know, people aren't going to be working. Man, it really does feel like Democrats are just trying to burn the country down. And I wonder why. 
You know, is it, is it any coincidence that many of these people aligned with the establishment are very deferential to China and have, have interests there and have companies there and will go wherever the money is? I wonder if that's it. So there was, there was some report about uh, um, a bunch of Republicans, never Trumpers and warmongers want to quit or leave the GOP or whatever. Yeah, the, the, the establishment is happy with the burning down of this country. I can I can only wonder about it. You know, I, I think about Thucydides trap, which is that whenever a rising economic power uh, begins to supplant the, the dominant power, war breaks out. And maybe these people think one way to avoid the war is just to destroy the economy of the U.S. So it just flips really fast instead of having the stagnation where they fight. I don't know for sure, but I can tell you it it does feel like Democrats are trying to destroy everything. Republicans aren't doing anything better, mind you, but they're just sitting there with their with their you know sitting on their hands, being like, I'm not going to do anything, and it's just, yeah, I have to, I have to wonder where this all leads to, but I do hope that you've taken care of yourself, your friends, and your family. I hope that you've gotten away from cities, and many of you haven't, and many people argue with me like I can't just up and leave. Okay, well, look, man, in some of these cities, there's no gas. In some of these cities, there's there's the potential for food shortages because if trucks can't get in, if there's no gas, maybe it's a temporary thing. Maybe it's only a week. I don't know. But why would you look at a disaster and be like, this is fine. I'll be fine. Everything's fine. When you see these things, isn't this the point at which you say, maybe we should be prepared for the worst? A lot of people don't want to do it. And I guess that's that's urban liberal city folk. If you are someone who is paying attention to these stories find a better life. Just maybe it's not the right place to be. But hey, don't look at me. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. You do what you got to do. And some people just prefer to be there and so be it. But I don't think things are getting better. It does not seem that things are getting better. It seems that things are getting worse. Is that pessimistic? Maybe. Is it realistic? Maybe. Is it idealistic to say, just plug your ears, don't read the news and everything will be okay? Maybe. Is it just the media is freaking us out and causing this? It's also possible too. So I can only, I can only report on what's being reported, you know, uh, for the time being, we're going to be launching a newsroom over at timcast.com. But I, I just want you guys to take care of yourself. And uh, look, you know, a lot of people don't like it when I promote that food stuff, the food, the food buckets, your worst case scenario, if you buy that stuff is that you put it in the closet and you forget about it. And, and, and the worst case scenario is you eat it. It's food. So we have a bunch of these. I cracked one open. and I was like, Hey, who wants stroganoff? And we like made a big pot of noodles. You're going to eat food. You have food. You get these, they last a long time. That's the difference. We go to the store. It's like spam lasts for five years. Some cans, you know, beans only last for two or three years. These things, 25. When we were hungry one day, we were like, let's eat some of this. See how, see how it goes. Delicious. It's up to you, though. You do you. You don't like it. By all means, tell me I'm a moron and I'll leave it there. Next segment's com- segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel and I will see you all then. We're currently experiencing gasoline shortages in many states and it's getting worse There's a state of emergency declared for 17 states in Washington, D.C., and this was declared regionally. Now the states themselves have been declaring emergencies as the amount of gas stations running out of fuel continues to grow. The numbers are getting freaky. Of course, this has to do with the colonial pipeline hack ransomware that resulted in the shutting the shuttering of the largest oil pipeline in the country. Now, many people have started panic buying and there are fears that supplies won't be delivered. But here's where things get much stranger. Before the colonial pipeline hack, numerous outlets ran stories suggesting that there were going to be gas shortages soon due to a shortage of drivers. Nobody delivering gas. 
You can't get gas. Now we're seeing something else that's not being covered in the national outlets. Food shortages, supply shortages. We've been seeing the stories about inflation. We've been seeing the cost of lumber and steel skyrocket. But when I look to the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the New York Post, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, we're not hearing about food shortages. I saw a tweet from a conservative personality saying, you know, oh, the, the media is claiming there's no shortages and then showing photos of empty shelves. And I thought to myself, I, I haven't heard anything about food shortages, except when a couple of the people here at Timcast went to the store to go buy some supplies, were looking for bacon, couldn't get any. And it didn't seem all that big of a deal, just no bacon. But there are a lot of other things that we couldn't get either. We were trying to get local beef. That was kind of hard to get. So I started looking to local news outlets, and lo and behold, there are many stories from local outlets about food shortages, like this one I have displayed on the screen right now. Omaha Metro restaurant owners face tough decision amid food supply shortage. Could it be that there is something bigger at play that we don't understand because we don't have news media anymore? This is the scary reality when you don't actually have journalists to report to you the most important stories because they've become too obsessed and desperate. They're obsessed with Donald Trump, with Liz Cheney and the GOP, whatever stupid nonsense they've gotten themselves into. And I'm looking at what's going to affect us. I'm worried about myself. I'll be real. A lot of the investigating that I'm doing is because I want to make sure I know what I have to do in the event there is a major crisis. And what do I see? Stories from the AP, runaway inflation. But what does that mean? For the rest of us, well, our savings will be weakened. But what do I have to worry about now in the immediate? I look at these national outlets. I don't see stories about food shortages. I don't see photos of empty shelves that are obsessed with the GOP. They're obsessed with Trump. Then I look, some, I look at some local outlets, and it's the same thing over and over again. Six local, uh, six NBC, Omaha Metro. We've got this one, ABC Seven on your side, KATV, Arkansas. Food, paper supply shortages, gardening supply, uh, gar- gardening is skyrocketing, sorry, due to pandemic food shortage fears in Nevada. Cat food shortages, lumber, cleaning supplies, Northeast Ohio. There are shortages across the board, and we're not getting that from major national outlets. Maybe we aren't paying close enough attention, or maybe news media has broken and we are not being served anymore with information we need to better function. Which brings me now to the gas prices. I saw this tweet from Patrick DeHaan. He said, after reloading current outages by state, I just got the chills. Data coming shortly. Maybe it's, it's, it's just panic. Maybe the media is just trying to drum up shock content. I don't know. The truth is, I'm just some guy on the internet who's reading the news, same as most people. But I look at all of these stories and then try and tell you what my thoughts and opinions are on all of these things. And it seems like we may be entering a shortage economy. As the Christian Science Monitor reported it, from lumber to labor, are we now in a shortage economy? Let me show you the latest numbers on the gasoline shortages that are apparently giving Patrick DeHaan, the gas buddy guy, chills. And then we'll talk about the shortages affecting some local areas. And, and first, I just implore you, check your local areas to see if there are shortages. Don't panic buy. But the reality is there's no real answer to panic buying. The reason people panic buy is because they don't have the things they think they need. And so they decide, I'll go to the store and get them. And then the shortages hit because people just think, eh, it'll always be there for me. And then when they realize maybe I should stock up, it's not a panic. It's just a maybe I should go to the store now, but everyone goes at the same time. Before we get started, 
Head over to TimCast.com and become a member by clicking the members only button. You can sign up with Stripe or PayPal, then go to the members area and get access to exclusive members only content from the TimCast IRL podcast. There's a really good reason you should do this if you support my work, because right there on the front page of TimCast.com, we have this story. YouTube has hit Steven Crowder with two strikes. He is one strike away from permanently being banned on YouTube. Censorship is real. Hillary Clinton has called for it. And you think if I'm having these conversations that we're talking about these things, you're commenting on these things, the establishment, Google likes that we're able to communicate outside the main channels. The reason why they don't like these conversations, they want to control what you can see. They don't want you panicking and you shouldn't. But it's like I, like I mentioned, it's not about panicking. Right now, there are a lot of people who probably just realized they're low on gas. I went out the other day, checked my truck. I was about a third of a tank. And I was like, I probably should fill up. I wasn't panicking. I wasn't filling up crazy tanks, like massive hundred gallon tanks. I wasn't trying to hoard gas. I was like, need gas. I went to the gas station. It was fine. But what happens when everyone hears the news and they decide to do it? Maybe one of the reasons the mainstream national outlets don't report on shortages is because they know if they tell you the truth about what's happening, you'll decide I should go out and get some for myself, which will make the problem worse. I'm not suggesting people should go out and buy stuff. I'm telling you, it's kind of a conundrum. Well, they can't control this conversation. It's very likely that I get banned at some point, just like they're going after Steven Crowder. Maybe you don't like Steven Crowder, fine. But the the fact is, on the left, they've gone after people who have been talking about Israel. They've been talking about anti uh, uh, about war and being anti-war. They don't want these conversations to happen. They think they're well, they're bad. So go to TimCast.com, become a member. Let me show you the latest gas shortage data from Patrick DeHaan. He says, gasoline outages by state, percent of all stations without gasoline. In Washington, D.C., 10%. Florida, 11 Alabama, 7 Now, here's where it gets crazy. Georgia, 43%. North Carolina, 65%. Virginia, 44%. Now I'm hearing people say it's just panic buying, but I got to stop for a second. How could it be that in Virginia, 44% are without gas in South Carolina, 43 in North Carolina, 65, but in Mississippi, closer to the start of this pipeline, only 5%. Are you telling me that people, as soon as you cross the state line, you go panic mode? Or could it be that there are different delivery schedules and they've run out of gas? I don't know for sure. I really don't. But I want to point out something that needs. I mentioned this the other day. We mentioned it on Timcast IRL. Needs to be talked about. ABC News. Lack of truck drivers could lead to fuel shortage this summer. April 29th. They were talking about fuel shortages well before this cyber attack. From CNN on April 27th, coming this summer, gas stations running out of gas. These stories did not result in gasoline shortages. People saw this news from major mainstream news outlets. So I know I mentioned previously that the news wasn't reporting on certain shortages. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not trying to suggest they don't report at all. I'm just saying maybe they don't care about local stories or you just can't rely on national news for for the bigger picture. But hold on. ABC, CNN, Fox, other outlets, The Guardian, I believe they all reported that there were going to be shortages. Why didn't anybody run out and buy gas? I don't know. Cyber attack is punchier news, I guess. Reeks of chaos. The pipeline being shut down made people freak out. And they decided I should probably fill up on gas. 
Now we've seen some, there's some photos where a guy, I saw one photo where a guy's got what looks like a thousand gallon container. It's like being pulled by his pickup truck and he's pouring the thing, filling it up. I'm like, are you nuts, dude? What do you, that's, that's crazy. Now that is panic buying. And there are some where a guy's filling up like, he's got like eight single gallon gas containers. And I'm like, okay, you probably shouldn't do that either. But there's also stories about, I saw one where somebody had a regular two gallon tank they were filling up and people were screaming at them saying you are hoarding. And it's like, this, it, it's for the lawnmower. What am I supposed to do? Like I needed gas. The news breaks. People check their, their cars and they're like, running low. I should go fill up lines out the door. And then people buy up what's left of this gas. Now I've heard reports and I've had people hit me up saying that they're experts in this area. There is a trucker shortage, which means gas is delayed and moving slowly. But this will be alleviated by the end of the week. People will get the gas. They'll be full on gas. And then they're kind of just wasting their time, I suppose. But I looked at these local stories from from NBC6 News on your side, Omaha. Omaha Metro restaurant owners face tough decision amid food supply shortage. I saw this and I said, I don't live in Omaha. So Omaha is dealing with a shortage. How does that impact me? Then I saw another story, Arkansas. People in Nevada worried about food shortages. Wait, 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 wait. What's going on? Could it be that there are food shortages in certain areas? Or could it be local news just trying to scare people into buying stuff? I don't know, man. I can't. I'm not omniscient. But I see these stories and I have to wonder, how is it that we're hearing there's chicken shortages? A massive demand for chicken because of the chicken war. Cat food shortages? Lumber? Cleaning supplies? Steel? Chlorine shortages? There's gas shortages? Could it be a coincidence? Maybe. I don't know. But I'm just going to say, when I see news that says certain local areas are hit with food shortages, there's a current gas shortage, there is rampant inflation. We have this story from the AP about runaway inflation fears. I, I just can't sit here thinking it's all a coincidence. On May 4th, in Omaha, they reported food shortages well before there were gas shortages. What's, what's happening? We're not, we're not masters of the universe. Human beings and journalists can't see literally everything. And the mainstream media likes to scare you, but also insult people uh, who challenge the establishment narrative. So it's just chaotic. Could it be that something we haven't figured out yet is happening all around us? Could it be that the base, the infrastructure of this country is eroding and it hasn't caught up to national media? Maybe. I'm sorry, I don't know. But I can tell you this. W.O.W.T. says big changes could be on the way for your favorite restaurants as owners say they are facing supply shortages. Ping, Ping Wayne owns Ming's restaurant in Papillion. He says he is dealing with a huge shortage of products, everything from produce to proteins to the oil food is cooked in. Things we would order six or seven cases of. Our suppliers are telling us we can only have two cases, so it's fair for everybody else. Here's a posting on Facebook from a week before this story. He says, many of you may be aware, maybe not. We're experiencing a major supply chain breakdown due to the effects of the ongoing pandemic. This is from May 4th, 2021. This is not from last year. They say on top of the shortage, prices for those hard to find products are skyrocketing. Meat prices have tripled. Oil prices, like we use three gallon jugs of soy oil, and it used to be $11.98. It's now $33.75. They're saying we had Max Kaiser on the show. Tim Castile said inflation's at 10 to 15 percent. I'm sorry when you're telling me that oils for for foods is up 300 percent. 
Maybe inflation is not at 10 to 15. Or maybe it is because of labor, I suppose. Wang says his business is absorbing those extra costs as long as they can because they don't want to raise prices. It will happen. Other restaurants that have already been forced to do just that. We did just go through a menu adjustment. We needed to. We kind of held off on doing it, said Nicole Jesse, La Casa GM. Owners say they have been told the entire food supply chain is having issues. One of the complaints that I'm getting from some of my vendors is that there are not enough people working at processing or picking produce and then just having delivery drivers. Owners are getting by for now by working with multiple vendors and suppliers. I'm on the phone with more than I am. I'm on the phone more than I am here just trying to figure out what's cost effective and what's not, said Wang. Wang says he has been able to substitute menu item favorites when supplies run out. But if things don't change in the future, some of your favorite meals could be temporarily off the menu. Everything would be temporary until things get back to normal. So if we have to take something off the menu or several things off the menu, I want people to know it's just temporary. Restaurant owners say their suppliers are telling them chicken will soon be the most difficult item to find. Owners say that a major concern and if those supplies do not run out, menus are sure to change. In Arkansas, the same thing. Some Arkansas restaurants increase prices amid, amid food paper supply shortage. Ah, this, kind of, this stuff's kind of freaking me out. This story is from April 22nd. Where were we when all this news is breaking about food shortages bubbling up beneath us and we're hyper focused on the national stage? Maybe that's what the establishment needs. Liz Cheney being booted from the GOP leadership position. Mm hmm. I see a lot of Trump supporters saying they're trying to distract you from what's happening in Arizona with the election audit. Uh huh. Or maybe it's all just because the things that actually matter, food, is skyrocketing in cost. And they'd love for you to be distracted by anything but that. Because the last thing we need is people going to stores and buying up stuff like crazy. That would cause a major disruption, and it would escalate a domino effect that was, would, would result in people panicking, which could result in destabilization. There are tough questions. Do I talk about these stories? People, you know, I, I, I may have mentioned this in this segment, but somebody commented on my on, on IRL saying, here comes Tim Pool selling fear again. What do I do? Do I say, I don't want people to be scared. I don't want them to panic. So you know what? Let's not talk about these news stories. Or am I just a guy on the internet reading the same news and telling you how I feel about it and what I think about it? And what are the results of that? These are very serious questions. I'm sure many of these major mainstream news organizations have asked themselves. Well, I am not one to believe in the idea of a, of, of a centralization of, of anything for the most part. And I think decentralization is probably the best way to deal with it. There may be bad there may be uh, detrimental ramifications for me doing the segment saying, look at these these food shortages. It may result in people panicking. I hope they don't. But what am I supposed to do? Decide that I, as the arbiter of truth, must make sure the masses don't know what's happening out of fear of some negative result. These are hard questions. They really are. And there's no real good answer. But I'm not going to hoard what I know. Whisper to my friends, make sure you go buy gas and food. I'm going to talk about what I'm reading in the news and uh, what I think might happen from it. ABC7, Little Rock, Arkansas. Restaurants are struggling with more than a labor shortage. Many restaurants have seen their food supply and disposable product costs rise in recent weeks. This has led to some restaurants being forced to increase their prices in order to make a profit and not lose money. Threefold Noodles and Dumpling Company has been located in downtown Little Rock for over three years. 
Lisa Shang is the owner, and she said their food and disposal product suppliers have increased between 50 and 200 percent. Let's just pause for a second. They say consumer goods are up 4.2, 4.9 percent or whatever the number is. What happens when somebody's working in an office building and they need lunch? They're not going to go to the grocery store and buy raw goods to cook a lunch in the kitchen. They're going to go to the dumpling company and they're going to say, I'd like the number one, please. And the, the lady's going to say, it's double what it was. Used to be 10 bucks for lunch. Now it's 20 because we can't get these goods. And that guy's going to say, I can't afford that. He's going to go to his boss. Lunch was double. I need more money. This is outrageous. The boss is going to say, I can't afford that. He's going to go to, he's going to, he's going to have to dig in somewhere or, or price cuts or, or go to his clients and say, we, 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 it's going to cost you more now. I mean, we got to raise wages. Hyperinflation is, is a real possibility, but you got to think about the shortages. And I think a lot of this has to do with Joe Biden paying $16 an hour to not work. What they're saying with these shortages is that at the processing plants at these companies, nobody wants to work. It's not just fast food restaurants. That's the surface level. Think about that story from when, when Donald Trump was president and they arrested a bunch of illegal immigrants. They said regular Americans came in and worked for 14 bucks an hour. You're getting 16 bucks an hour on unemployment. So now there's no one processing the chicken. They say, quote, they have a lack of people, labor to process the chicken. It's not because there's no chicken or no pig. It's because nobody works. After the COVID-19 pandemic hit the restaurant industry hard in 2020, Zhang was forced to increase her menu prices by 65 cents on average to stay afloat. Previously, some Arkansas businesses had to raise menu prices due to the minimum wage increase. You have no idea how many nights I don't sleep. I just heard we don't have a bowl in. The next day, we don't have pork. This is said about the food shortages. To compensate her customers, she dropped the price of beer by a dollar. I think this year people like to drink. It helps them relax. Here, here, lady. I hear you. Threefold isn't the only restaurant low in supply and labor. Angie Casper is one of the owners of Casper's Restaurant in Clarksville. Clarksville is not Little Rock, one of the big Arkansas cities. We are farmers here. We are Walmart employees. So you can't look at your increased food cost and then just broadly across the menu up everything. Over the last three weeks, she has seen the cost of food, especially beef, increase. She decided to add $2 to steak dinners in exchange for a free sweet tea. This is not an effort on our part to increase our profit margin. This would be a terrible time to do that. It's just an effort in our part. We want, we just want to not lose. Both restaurant owners believe that unemployment and stimulus payments have impacted the labor market. Right now, it is very easy for people to sit at home and get paid benefits and not have to work. Go into a restaurant. It's hard work. The kitchen cooks, they work their tails off. But if I could sit at home and pay my bills and not have to work, you know, why not? Think about what that means. We talked about it the other day. It means that there are people getting money from the government printed or borrowed and producing nothing. And this is causing the supply chain to crumble. The great UBI experiment showing it doesn't work. When people have the opportunity not to work, they decide not to work. But if they're still given money, they are extracting value from a system and not producing. It creates a tipping effect where less and less people work, less and less is produced. And if you don't make stuff, there's no stuff to eat. The farmers are probably going to be OK. The small farmers. I got chickens in a garden outside. Not going to last us forever. We're reliant on the system, same as everybody else. But these stories will likely result in people panicking, will likely result in inflation. The AP reports, why are fears of inflation getting worse? They talk about all the hard numbers. 
Inflation higher than it's been since the 2008 crash. Where do you think we're going after this? They say, what's behind the concerns? The AP reports mainly. It's the fact that prices for so many things are rising and seem likely to do so for the next several months at least. One reason for that is that prices tumbled in March and April of last year when the pandemic tore through the economy and have since rebounded. As a result, year over year price increases now look much higher than most consumers are used to. The consumer price index rose 2.6% in March compared with a year ago, a significant rise from just 1.7 a month earlier. I don't think they understand when they say this. I don't agree. They say, oh, well, prices went down because of the pandemic and now it's normalizing and it just looks worse. Or maybe people aren't making things. People aren't working. If someone's getting $16 an hour not to work, how do you get them to work in a chicken processing plant? You can't offer them 13, 14, 15, or 16. Because they say, I get that for free as it is. Okay, how about 17? They say, so I'm only going to get an extra dollar per hour and have to work 40 hours a week? Sorry, ain't going to do it. How about 20? I'm only going to get $4 an hour more? Sorry, I'm not going to do it. $16 for unemployment is not just about giving people money. It's about giving them money in exchange for nothing, which means the amount of money you'd have to pay them to get them to decide to come back to work is probably double what the government is paying them. I don't know, man. Some people might just never be incentivized to work at that point. I mean, think about it. All the free time in the world. Nothing is more precious than time. So when given the choice to not work, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they say, I'd rather stay home? You will never convince me to work for any amount of money. Well, maybe a million bucks. But what do people cherish most? They say, you know, money can get you a lot, but can't buy you time. The most valuable, valuable commodity. So people are now able to go and sit down by the river, hang out with their friends. You know, in a lot of ways, it is a good thing. There's uh, garbage processed trash food and high sugar trash. Maybe people should be eating more simply, not going to fast food restaurants, not going to Chinese food restaurants or, or burger joints or, you know, buying expensive salty meals, going to get pod thai and chicken tikka masala. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Maybe they should just be having some steamed chicken and rice. Cheap, healthy, better for you. Maybe that's, maybe that's the good thing. The problem is it's not just about the food. The food is the surface level. It's what we can see. Why? Because we eat. We eat every day. Not everybody, but you know, they should. And so we're constantly looking at the cost of food. You know what we're not looking at the cost of? Tools. Well, fuel, I guess we do. But tools, lumber, plastics, products, all of this is connected. It's not just like you can jack up the price of food and gas and not see the prices rise everywhere else. Because we pay so much attention to food and gas, we see the prices rising. And that causes fear and panic buying and inflation and potentially runaway inflation. As more and more prices rise and people demand more money or just stop working because of Biden's policies. What about lumber? What about steel? Well, those, of course, are skyrocketing. We can see this from Ohio. They say cat food, lumber, cleaning supplies, and more. They're saying there's a shortage of cat food, which 
I, yeah, I experienced it. We have a cat. You may have seen his photos on Instagram. His name is Bucko. He walks around. He's now an outside cat, does his thing. He's very happy. And we have a decent amount of food. We don't go crazy. And we were running out of food. And I went to go buy some. Couldn't get any. It took like a month to order food. We go to the grocery store. There's cat food there, but the shortages are real. Lumber, wood, and electrical appliances, cleaning products, sewing machines, and fabrics. We can see on the surface what's being hit first. They say the chicken shortage. Oh, that's due to the chicken wars at fast food restaurants. So are people eating too much chicken, I guess? They're panic eating chicken. I don't think so. These places always sold chicken. I don't know. But what do you think's happening beneath the surface? The harder to make goods, the more refined goods, the complicated, complex goods when you can't hire people to do these jobs, when these people require more money because they want to eat chicken. I fear when we see these stories, it's, a, it's, it's easy to look to the future as to what's going to happen next. Last, uh, a few months ago, I pointed this out. Maybe it was even last year. I think it was a few months ago. I had gone on Amazon and I needed a tablet for, you know, for work stuff. So I picked, you know, a Galaxy tablet or whatever, put it in my, my cart and then forgot about it. I think I was working. And so I ended up not buying it. A couple of days later, I opened Amazon again and it said, there are some changes to the price of goods in your cart. And I said, what is this? And I opened up my cart and there it was. The tablet that was a few hundred dollars had gone up like 60 something percent in cost. Why? They could no longer deliver to me the product at the same price. Inflation hit like boom, just like that. I fear that's what's coming next. When we see cleaning supplies in shortage, which yeah, includes toilet paper, gasoline shortages and prices skyrocketing, a cyber attack, an oil pipeline shut down by Democrats, food shortages. Weeks ago, these are being reported. Trucker shortages, meaning supplies aren't going to be delivered. It doesn't hit it once. It doesn't hit immediately. I remember when the pandemic first started, people were like, I went to the Walmart, everything was fine. And then like two weeks later, Walmart was empty. So, you know, what I'm doing is I'm just making sure I have standard level of supplies. You don't want to panic. You know, we, we, we do have like emergency food stuff and things that we bought last year because we have a big facility. We have like a dozen plus people who are working here now and we're expanding. We don't have any kind of like level of hoarding where we'd survive in the event of a total shortage or shutdown. And our garden has like tomatoes and jalapenos, not something we can subsist off of. So I'm going to make sure that we have, you know, what we get like a week's worth of groceries. Maybe I should do more than that. I don't know, but I don't want to contribute to hoarding or panic buying. So it's scary times, man. The bigger fear, I suppose, is hyperinflation because it means the money you have now, even the money the government gives you, will be worth nothing in, you know, eventually. It's an inflationary currency. And so long as Biden and the Democrats just think they can keep printing money, we're, we're on a roller coaster going straight down from the peak. It's going to happen faster and faster. It's exponential. That's why the AP was talking about runaway inflation. Runaway inflation is just because the prices go up and more, more, more and more people panic. It causes the prices to go even higher. And then the government loses control or the Fed loses control. And the, the prices just never stop going up. They think they can print their way out of a hole. And that's what they've been doing, borrowing trillions upon trillions and printing trillions of dollars. And the bill comes due. Now they're giving much of this money to people to not work. What happens next? Bitcoin is skyrocketing. 
Ethereum is skyrocketing. And I'll tell you what's scary is that when it comes to Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's not that they're going up in value. It's that the dollar is going down in value. When you see gas up 22% last month, when you see chicken up 11 or 15%, beef up the same amount, well, then you'd expect standard hard assets to see a similar price increase. Bitcoin's way, way, way up. So people are finding out that as the dollar loses value, you need to put it somewhere. Otherwise, you're going to lose buying power. Bitcoin's a deflationary currency. So long as people want to use it as a store of value and it's decentralized, it will retain that value. In fact, it'll go up because the demand for the hedge is greater than the amount of people willing to actually uh, supply it. There's less liquidity. In the end, the demand for Bitcoin will go up. The nature of Bitcoin will result in Bitcoin becoming more and more valuable. So that's what people are doing. They're buying Bitcoin like crazy. And that's at $60,000. I'll tell you what. People right now are thinking about Bitcoin being too expensive. I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I'll tell you what I did. I bought some Bitcoin. And I've periodically bought little bits here and there. I remember when it went from a dollar to five dollars, I said, man, if only I bought it a dollar. Went from five to 20. I said, man, if only I bought it five. Went from 20 to 100. Man, if I only bought it 20. Every single time. So people keep saying. Now, I'll tell you this. When Bitcoin hits one million dollars per Bitcoin, people will be saying, man, if only I bought it $200,000. And the reason they'll say that is, it will hit those numbers. And then people point out, yeah, only rich people can buy it then. You don't buy one Bitcoin. You can buy fractions all the way down to the eighth decimal point. And if you look at Bitcoin, the eighth decimal point means the smallest uh, division of a Bitcoin, it's called a Satoshi, will eventually equal one cent. And then a Bitcoin is a million dollars. Now, it's hard to actually, actually explain how, the, how this would be in terms of buying power because it will reach a million dollars. And that's just because the value of the dollar is going to rapidly decline. So I don't know what you should do. You should talk to your friends and your family, and hopefully this is nothing. But it certainly feels like the crisis is just getting worse. I think that in the next few months, we're going to see, a, we're going to see it be a lot worse. So you do what you do. Keep in mind, panicking will, will make everything worse. But I'm also not the kind of person to just look at these news stories that came out week, a week ago or whatever and be like, oh, I'm not going to report that. No, I have to. I'm not the kind of person who's going to whisper to my family what to do and then leave y'all hanging the bag. Maybe that's something the New York Times would do. I don't know. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. YouTube has issued a hard second strike to Steven Crowder's channel, Louder with Crowder, which means he will not be able to publish any content on that platform for two weeks. He's also reported that they've given him a hard strike on his Crowder Bits channel, which is segments from his show. And even though the first strike on that channel is a one week suspension, I mean, you can't post anything for that week because his other channels are related. The two week applies to everything. The last time Crowder got a strike on his main channel, he tried to upload an explanation to his other channel, Crowder Bets, and they gave him a warning for this. So if Steven Crowder gets one more strike, he will be permanently deleted. So of course, you can go to lotterwithcrowder.com, I believe, forward slash mug club if you want to support Steven Crowder, because it's only going to get worse. You know, they're they're going after Steven Crowder right now. He is the, the main target. After this, you know they're going to be looking for the next target. And there's two big reasons this is happening. You need only Google search Steven Crowder to figure out 
why YouTube is coming after him. What comes up when you search for Steven Crowder? Media matters. Media matters. Antelope Valley Press, meh. Tribune Review, meh. Daily Signal, eh. But then media matters, media matters, media matters, media matters. The majority of the search results are media matters going after Steven Crowder and often taking him out of context. That's how they, they were able to go after him during the Carlos Maza, uh, Carlos Maza scandal. Basically, in that instance, Carlos Maza had referred to himself as, 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 with a variety of names, and Crowder referred to him of the same names, responding to him, and they said, you can't do that. So it really does feel like they're doing everything in their power to find a reason to get rid of Steven Crowder. And don't uh, make no mistake, my friends, they're going after him. But what happens when Crowder is off YouTube? Media matters is political, obviously. They're, they're trying to help Democrats. They, they go after the opponents of Democratic, politi- uh, of Democratic politicians and the establishment. But they're also a nonprofit that needs to raise money. So they need shock content to beg you to give them cash. Now, I'm not entirely sure if that's their business model, but I'm just speaking generally that any one of these outlets, when they're, when they're designed to just generate rage content, they need a target for whatever reason. After Steven Crowder goes, who do you think's coming next? I don't know if it would be me. I mean, my channels are fairly, as many people like to point out, moderate or milk toast, as it were. But it is a fairly large show, so it's entirely possible. I don't think it's as easy, but it is possible to take things out of context. And there you go. They've already tried smearing us in the past. YouTube actually, this is crazy. We've been smeared and YouTube went back and forth with, you know, I I argued with them and they ultimately sided with us. So you can see they try. Maybe they they don't push, you know, further because it's, you know, my my channel's just too kind of meh, but it's coming. So I'm going to read you the story about about Crowder, but I got to shout out TimCast.com specifically because, dude, Crowder's one strike away from a total ban on YouTube. And it's TimCast IRL and TimCast News and my channels, Tim Pool Channel could be the next target. Go to TimCast.com. In the top right, you will see members only. You can sign up to become a member with Stripe or PayPal in order to support my work if we get banned. And I've already got a warning on one channel. Facebook already took us out of the monetization program. So it is entirely possible once Crowder gets hit, they come for us. I think it's likely, actually. Become a member at TimCast.com. Just like Crowder does with Mug Club, this is because censorship is real. So you can, you can join the members only button. Here, uh, you can click the members only button. You can join at the top. When you go to the website, there's a members area. You click that and there's a bunch of exclusive segments. Some of these are full podcasts, an hour long, and we're going to be doing scripted shows. We, we, I just took a, a pitch from it for a scripted show. We're going to be doing new shows. We have the vlog, obviously. You can see that on the main page. That's all free. I'm trying to make sure uh, we all survive this. Uh, I don't know what I can say for, for Steven because they're coming after him other than louder, louderwithcrowder.com slash mug club, I believe is the link if you want to support him as well. You know, the reality is if we want to make sure we have a chance to speak up, challenge the establishment, it may mean paying money. It's, 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 I, I look, we, I have ads running my content on YouTube. You guys watch this stuff. It's free. You just got to watch some ads and it helps support the work and make sure we can keep working. I set up TimCast.com because I knew this was coming. Check this out. Hillary Clinton, there has to be a global reckoning with this information. We know what that means. They're not talking about disinformation. It's a trick. It's a manipulation. The establishment wants to take the mainstream press, create a monoculture and ban anyone who dare challenge them. That's what Hillary Clinton wants. Let me read you the story from louderwithcrowder.com. They say, 
Here we go once again. YouTube issued a second hard strike on the Steven Crowder channel, barring us from publishing content for two weeks. YouTube also hit the Crowder Bits channel with a hard strike, barring us from publishing content for one week. Now, I want to point out, if after a week Crowder tries posting a video to Crowder Bits, YouTube will claim it's circumventing a ban, and that is a permanent ban for all accounts. If you have four channels and one of them gets a strike, you cannot publish on any of those channels because they call it circumvention of the rules. Instead of giving you a strike for that, they permanently delete all of the channels. They want to say, why you ask? YouTube said the video about the Columbus shooting violated their harassment, threats, and cyberbullying policy. I can't link you to the video in question, only tell you the podcast episode is still available, as are the show notes. According to YouTube, YouTube creators share their opinions on a wide range of different topics. However, there's a line between passionate debate and malicious harassment. Content containing targeted harassment, including but not limited to stalking, threats, bullying, and intimidation, is not allowed on YouTube. That doesn't seem like something Steven Crowder has done. This is an interesting note, which we'll revisit. YouTube emailed attorney Bill Richmond and specified what about the video violated their policy. Now, here's where they get specific. In particular, this video violated the aspect of the policy that prohibits content reveling in or mocking the death or serious injury of an identifiable individual. Accordingly, the video has been removed and a strike has been applied to the Steven Crowder channel. This constitutes the second active strike on the Steven Crowder channel. And as a result, uploads are now suspended for two weeks. That is complete BS. And we all know it. Let me let me let me first explain to you what they said. The video they're referring to didn't revel in the death or serious injury of an identifiable individual. It seems YouTube is unhappy. The studio crew agreed the shooting of a teenager trying to stab another stab another was justified. White, black, Hispanic or identifying as transgender. A, a transgender alien, he says. If you're trying to stab someone else and you get shot by an officer, sorry, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. Maybe a little bit callous, but certainly not reveling in it. And even if it is, that is an opinion that you can't figure out where the line is. Now, what have, what, what have I said when I talk about this issue? It's a sad story. I wish it didn't happen. But what are the police supposed to do? Well, I've said, you know what? How about the cops just stop responding to these calls? If Steven Crowder said, we follow the law. The law, we're, it's being followed. Sorry, that's the law. Why would you get a strike for that? Because his attitude? YouTube doesn't say don't have a blase attitude about someone losing their life. This is what's freaky about the whole thing. In this instance, what we had is a story. It's tragic. I don't think anybody's really happy with it. I don't think Crowder's happy about it. I think they're being blunt. Someone lost their life. It's sad. But this woman had a knife and she was cranking it back ready to stab a woman. The law was followed. This officer was trying to defend another person. I wish it didn't happen. I hope people stay away from the situations. And as I said, maybe the cops shouldn't respond to this. But Steven Crowder was agreeing with the law. And for that, it appears YouTube has given him a strike, which says to me it's bunk. And if they can give you a strike for that, they can give a strike to anybody. And they will. So long as they decide it's your time. They go on to say, this seems like an excuse to issue just another strike, a second strike, three strikes, and the channel is gone. We did a little skipping through YouTube memory lane, though. Since YouTube says it doesn't like harassment of identifiable individuals, 
We thought we'd see if we could find other notable mentions on YouTube hosts, uh, on YouTube of hosts mocking identifiable individuals, not public figures, just regular folks, you know, since harassment can't be tolerated. Here's what we found. And of course, they did. I mean, think they, they highlight the Covington kids. Think about what all of these high profile people were doing to these kids, talking about wanting to hit them, commit acts of violence, break the law. YouTube wants to get rid of Steven Crowder. They don't like him. He is, I believe, the only, well, he's a morning host now. He used to be a late night comedy host, but it's the equivalent of watching uh, any one of these comedy shows, uh, you know, on, on mainstream, uh, mainstream uh, TV networks. But he does it from an anti-establishment and conservative perspective. I think that's it. Stephen, you're a deviant. Can't have that. The establishment has to purge. So what does this all mean? We're doing our due diligence on the legal fronts. We're still going to put a live show on for you because that's what we do. You'll be able to watch the show free on our live page, louderwithcrowder.com slash live. But note that this isn't a player you can just scrub to. They say, so, you know, don't miss the show. They have it 10 a.m. every morning. You should also become a Mug Club subscriber. We've said this for years. YouTube is after us. They don't seem to like our exercising of free speech. Do you need any more evidence? With a Mug Club subscription, you can catch the live show. Watch it after it's gone live, interact with the show via, via, via the chat, and access the rest of Blaze TV's conservative lineup. Now, a lot of people have hit me up and say, Tim, it's really great that you're, you're shouting out Mug Club and supporting Steven Crowder. Well, first and foremost, on principle, absolutely, we must do this. Crowder is a big player, a big defender of free speech, and he is far from the most egregious actor on YouTube. They, they're, they're, they're going after him, and it is unjust. It is unethical, and it is clearly politically motivated. So we have an obligation to defend this. As for shouting out Mug Club to help Crowder maintain and make money, because even if he gets banned from YouTube, we need a balance in perspective. A lot of people on the left, they get banned when they talk about Israel and Palestine, and things are getting really hot right now. They should not be banned when they talk about these things. My fear is that you get rid of a Crowder and then the whole scale tips further and further left. That's what they are doing. They're eroding the baseline of conversation. Now, don't get me wrong. Self-preservation exists in this as well. I know that once Crowder is gone, guess who's next up on the chopping block? I don't know if I'm the prime target, but eventually it will come for all of us. It'll come for the left the same as it comes for the right. So yeah, there's a little bit of self-preservation in trying to make sure that Crowder can maintain his business because I'm a fairly moderate individual. I, I love it. The right calls me left. The left calls me right. I must be doing something right, I, I suppose. I want to make sure there's a robust left and a robust right having an argument, and then I can sit there in the middle and talk about my perspective as well. When Crowder goes, they'll start claiming I'm far right. They already claim I'm conservative, which is not true. But here we are. It seems like if you if you if you know it seems like if you defy the narrative, if you actually track the, the, the news and the evidence, they can't have you. It's a problem. And they want to get rid of it. Real journalism's got to go. Look what they do to Julian Assange. What is he? I'm pretty sure he's an award-winning journalist. He is one of the most consequential people of our generation. And what, are they, what have they done? Joe Biden right now. Don't get me wrong. Donald Trump as well. They, it was the, one of the biggest mistakes. I, I, now, I will say, I think Trump wanted Julian Assange because he wanted him to spill the beans on the establishment. But Assange is like, I'm not playing that game. For this, the man has suffered. Hillary Clinton and her ilk will not stand for people with loud voices doing this kind of work. Now, here's the challenge. The system was built 
It's a runaway train. It created opportunity. So channels like Crowder's grew and they didn't pay attention. I remember back in the day, maybe like 10 years ago, they're like, eh, YouTube, we don't care about YouTube. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And then finally they were like, wait a minute, these people are challenging the establishment narrative. It's making it hard for us to propagandize. What do we do? Oh no, it's helping Donald Trump. What do we do? That was a mistake. So then all of a sudden Google got rid of their slogan. Don't be evil. Remember that? Now it's forget individual freedoms. Be evil, I guess. Hillary Clinton, The Guardian interview. The former secretary of state warns of the danger to democracy of lies flourishing online and says big tech's wings must be clipped. She's right. 100% right in that one sentence. Lies on the internet. Yeah, lies coming from the mainstream media and to be fair, coming from fringe wackos as well. However, you have a right to post content. You have a right to express your opinion. And this idea that we must ban disinformation is basically saying that if you're too stupid, you're not allowed to participate. There are a lot of people who genuinely believe dumb things. They're allowed to speak. I don't know. Often I look at their post and I'm like, that's really dumb and clearly not true. But you're allowed to be a stupid person. Now, some of these things I know to be false. But guess what? I make mistakes, too. That's why you can't draw a line and say we ban disinformation because then you get Russia gate. You're trying to claim that Glenn Greenwald's a Russian agent, all this other stupid trash and Julian Assange. That's right. Anyone who dare oppose the establishment, Russia. Sure. You see what they do, though? Clearly, the Russia stuff was a lie. It's not about disinformation. Otherwise, Hillary Clinton would have been banned a long time ago. They say the former secretary of state and first lady warns the breakdown of a shared truth and the device and the divisiveness that surely follows poses a danger to democracy at a moment when China is selling the conceit that autocracy works. Clinton speaks to The Guardian via Zoom from her home in Chappaqua, New York, probably pronouncing it wrong, Chappaqua, in an interview to mark the newspaper's bicentenary this month. I think The Guardian has been a great exemplar of press freedom for 200 years. Yes, The Guardian who pumps out a bunch of fake news. Sure. Look, Hillary Clinton makes some points. She's correct. The internet is fracturing. There's no single culture. The problem is the Democrats' version of monoculture is anti-liberal, is illiberal. And I know I'm not talking about colloquial liberalism. I'm talking about classical liberalism, the right of the individuals, freedom, pursuit of happiness. The Democrats are like, we need to have a shared worldview. That's authoritarian. And then they use the lie that China's trying to make you think autocracy works. That's you. That's not Trump. Trump didn't do enough. Trump could have sent in the troops. He was being asked to by Tom Cotton. He didn't do it. He let the rioters run rampant. He did not do enough. He didn't fire enough people. He just did kind of okay in some areas, I guess. Better than what, I, what you'd get from Biden, that's for sure. They say, I love this. Here comes the Russia. In the 2016 election, Clinton was the first woman to be nominated. We get it. In addition, Moscow helped fuel a social media disinformation campaign that targeted likely Democratic voters. You see, this is how they manipulate you. Russia spent what, like a hundred grand getting a barely any views. It was a microscopic failure of a campaign, but they did. And then they can just say it. And they want you to make assumptions. They want you to assume Vladimir Putin was like, duh, destroy American social media. <laughs> when in reality, he was probably sitting there like, oh, whatever. I don't know. Not really paying attention all that much. But the media will tell you 
It was this major, massive campaign. When we look at the data, there were Democrat operatives. One guy got banned from Facebook because they were running bot accounts that were that wrote words in Cyrillic, like Russian alphabet, or it's the Cyrillic alphabet, but that's what Russia uses, so that it looked like certain Republicans were being pumped up by, by Russia. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. It's a dirty game. Where, where, where's, where, where's their comeuppance and accountability? So here we go. The press cannot be expected to restore a common baseline of truth on its own. Quote, the technology platforms are so much more powerful than any organ of the so-called mainstream press. And I do think that there has to be not just an American reckoning, but a global reckoning with this information, with the monopolistic power and control, with the lack of accountability that platforms currently enjoy. She's correct on that. In, in particular, Facebook which has the worst track record for enabling mistruths, misinformation, extremism, conspiracy, for goodness sake, even genocide Myanmar against the Rohingya. So governments are going to have to decide right now that the platforms have to be held to some kind of standard. And it's tricky. See, the problem is she's not talking about free speech. She's talking about banning speech, holding them accountable so they can't allow people to spread news. A report commissioned by Facebook found in 2018, the company failed to stop its platform being used to foment division and incite offline violence in Myanmar. They say there are signs that Joe Biden, the U.S. Congress and the FTC intend to take a tougher line on big tech. But Clinton acknowledged it's not easily done. They're incredibly powerful. But I don't see any alternative. If we're going to try and deal with the very real dangers that disinformation and the divisiveness it breeds pose to our democracies. Trump took swipes at internet companies, but concentrated most of his ire, most of his fire on CNN, the New York Times, and other mainstream media. He notoriously gorged on press attention, while also demonizing them as the enemy of the the people. Clinton, who as Secretary of State traveled the world promoting freedom of the press, was appalled. Once an American president said that the press was the enemy of the people, that gave permission to all kinds of autocrats to make the same claim. I don't know any American president who's ever thought he got fair press. They always believe that they are not understood or they're being held to impossible standards. Just stop. The idea that Barack Obama, the idea that George W. Bush, oh, the activists came out for George Bush, but the New York Times sold us on the Iraq war, you scumbags. Barack Obama blew up kids, killed Americans without charge or trial. And Donald Trump comes along and it's 99% or 97% negative press. You look at the charts, you can see the amount of press uh, attention Obama got was nothing. Trump, it was psychotic. It was insane. You want to talk about enemy of the people? Well, he said the fake news. Sure. I think he's talking about these big, massive mainstream media companies who pump out lie after lie after lie. The New York Times putting out the other day, there are no long lines for gas. I didn't think I was going to be affected by the gas shortage because we're, we're in the area where Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia kind of meet. And I'm like, we're far enough away from where a lot of supply lines, you know, West Virginia wasn't hit by this. Surprise, surprise, in West Virginia, reports of gas stations running out of gas could be panic buying. But my, uh, there are some people saying that the recent delivery w- was disrupted. And so things should be back to normal by the end of the week. But this does mean that normal supply was disrupted there. I don't know. I, I, I fear what comes next when they get rid of someone like Crowder 
People criticize him, but he's allowed to speak his mind. He's not breaking any laws. In fact, he was supporting the upholding of the law and they gave him a strike for it. We don't know what the rules are. We only know that if they want to get rid of you, they will. And they're doing everything in their power to embolden the establishment. Hillary Clinton's coming out and saying these things and the Democrats have the power. Don't be surprised if they pass a bill to strip you of your First Amendment rights and then say, yeah, well, sue us. See what the Supreme Court says. And then maybe two years later, you'll get your rights back. That's how it works. Look at 2A. They pass these bills, which are clearly unconstitutional, and then make us spend 10 years suing so that we get our rights back. They're inalienable. We had the right to begin with. You're just you're just violating our rights. I imagine it'll only get worse from here. So make sure you guys go to lotterwithcrowder.com if you're fans and follow up on what's going on. You know, but uh, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast. I'll see you there and I'll just stress. I understand YouTube banning people. A lot of people are like, just quit, just leave the platform. We have to leverage what we can while we can on these platforms because the reality is that's where people go. And I know it's not simple. That's just reality. I'll see you all in the next segment.